Welcome to the Toxic People Detox, a practical guide for finding peace in the midst of toxic people. It's not about changing them. It's about changing how you respond to them and doing so in a productive, healthy way. This is episode 47, how to take back your power. Now I'm recording this on March the 31st, 2020. And I think it's safe to say for all of us that we did not see this coming. Generally speaking, I don't like to talk about current events because I want these episodes to be evergreen, whether you're listening to it as they come out or you're listening to it 10 years from its original date, I want them to be just as relevant. But it's hard not to talk about what's going on with the COVID-19. I said that I would have a string of interviews and my first one was supposed to be one of my coworkers. And without giving too much of his story away. I mean, he has quite an amazing story. He's stuck in a situation where his options are limited in terms of finances. He's very limited in what he can do, but he's making plans to get out of his situation. And I wanted him to talk about that. So hopefully when this whole thing blows over, we can reconvene. School was canceled during spring break, which was the week of March the 8th. And the students got an email saying, don't return from your spring break. And then we got an email saying that, uh, you know, some of your, some of our colleagues have the COVID virus. And then before you know it, the school was shut down. And so, well, here we are. So, so the uh, people, the interviews are going to come. Okay. They're still coming. It's just, it won't be my colleagues anymore. I'm turning to the interwebs, but in the meantime, I'm answering some emails from listeners. One I received uh, pretty early on in the year, maybe uh, back in January. And then one I received, I think it was today. Yeah, again, today's March 31st. So they're asking different things. But there's one common thread between them. They talk about email games that their coworkers have played. And this is something that I talked about. One of the first things... I realized that something was wrong at my workplace. My toxic workplace was this email that got sent out and it was passed back and forth between all these people. And by the time it got back to me, it was so far out of hand. There was nothing I can do to salvage it. And that was the, and that was just the beginning of everything else. So if this is the first episode you're listening to, welcome. And for those of you who've been with me since episode zero, yes, episode zero, thank you for sticking with me. But I hope at some point you don't need to listen to these episodes anymore because my background as a teacher, I don't want my students to be dependent on me. I want to teach them what I need to learn and then have them move on and have them grow. So as my listeners, I hope these episodes are educational for you, but I don't want you to depend on them. At some point, I want you to move on and start taking control, start taking back your power, regardless of whether it's a toxic relationship, a toxic work environment, a toxic friendship, whatever that situation is. Okay. So when I'm, when I talk about taking back your power, I can talk about the workplace situation, which is what these two comments are about. And it can also apply to relationships. So let me start off with this quote that I love. It says, when a resolute young fellow steps up to the great bully, the world, and takes him boldly by the beard, he is often surprised to find it comes off in his hand and that it was only tied on to scare away the timid adventurers. Ralph Waldo Emerson. And I love that quote. 
the last episode that aired up, it was December the 31st, 2019. And I talked about a situation where the, the people from the school, some of the administrators called me on my cell phone, my personal number to tell me that we're going to sue you and we're going to write you up. And my response was very simple. I said, okay, all right, fine. Write me up. I can't wait to read what you have to write. Go ahead, sue me. I can't wait to see what the charges are. And when I stepped back like that, everything kind of went away. Things kind of died down. And see, I, that was a risky move on my part. I, I could have gotten fired. Now, I would have loved to have seen how they did that. Because you would have had to have a pretty darn excuse to fire me for something like that. But that being said, I don't think I'm expendable. Someone said, Dr. Williams, they need you. I said, no, they don't. They can replace me with anybody at any time. And at the time I said I was applying for tenure, well, I did get tenure. Uh, the people involved in that situation were actually on my tenure committee. <laughs> you know, I've, I've said before I wasn't going to be there long enough for that to matter. But one of my coworkers said something to me. And that's why I applied. She said, Dr. Williams, even if you don't plan on being here for another month, go ahead and apply. What's the worst case scenario? I think you would be better off to apply just just in case your plans change. And I'm glad I followed her advice. Now, that being said, let's address these two comments. So let me go ahead and pull this up. I thought I had the Word document open. Apparently, I didn't. There it is. All right. So the one earlier says... This person says, I just discovered this podcast in iTunes today while conducting a search for self-care. Upon first listen, I was immediately comforted by intuitively recognizing that the host is a POC, person of color, and that the underlying issue is much deeper than being toxic. Yes, you're right. This person goes on to say, I'm curious how the host will dissect the proverbial white elephant in the room, which is racial microaggressions toward people of color in the workplace. Now... Let me, let me say this, since you posted that comment, you said you hadn't listened to my other podcast. Now, I don't know if you've listened to more, or if you're listening to this one, but if you are, you will notice that I haven't addressed that. I really haven't. And there's a reason for that. I'm pretty sure people have figured out by now that yes, I am a black woman, but I don't really call attention to it because to me, it's, it's irrelevant. Yes, I acknowledge racism exists. Any ism, sexism, racism, all these isms to me are drawn from the same well. I have to go past that and look at the real issue. Now, before I get more into that, let me address the other comment. She, uh, this person specifically says, I can't stand these tattletale emails, which my boss has never told her to stop doing. She's talking about a coworker to stop doing, thus encouraging it. So yeah, I feel you on that one. These emails that got passed back and forth when I was at my job, the boss never said anything and just made things worse. That's why I said that the spineless wonder boss, as much as this person might be pleasant to hang around, maybe <laughs> depends on where you're coming from. The fact that these people don't do anything, it's just as bad to me. It's just as egregious. And then the final question is, should I simply look for a new job or try to speak to the boss? How would I word this without causing her to be defensive? Is that even possible? Oh yeah, it's quite possible. But will it work in this case? This is one of those people who is just, just, you can't reason with them. All right. So what can you possibly say? I don't think you can say anything. Just look at the internet. All you have to do is just say something slightly whether you're commenting on politics or you're commenting on sexuality or gender issues and people get set off. 
And the question is, what, what is bothering you so much? Let me tie these two together. I mentioned a couple of times before that I worked at a health food store, but I never said I was the only black person there. And I was, and I never said I was the lowest paid employee. I was getting paid like $8 an hour for a cashier. Everybody, the other cashiers, the ones who were there before me and the ones who came in after me were getting paid like 12 or $13 an hour. You know, that's like, well, $4, but when I'm working 20 hours a week, that's $80. Of course you get taxes taken out of it, but that's, that's like a, a take of gas right there. Not only was I the lowest paid person, but they had me working the busiest shift. And then the other person who was supposed to be working with me, the cashier is out in the cosmetic section, looking at tea tree oil. I was like, girl, if you don't come over here and help me ring this stuff up, oh my goodness. And they give her more money than they gave me. Oh no, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Now here's what I didn't do. I didn't cry racism. Because that, to me, it's a victim mentality. Even if that's the case, you have to understand why I don't talk about it very much. It's because there's something beyond that. I want to deal with the solution that, uh, if you're doing this because of some racial issues, sex, gender, uh, religion, whatever the thing is, nationality, I don't care. It's the fact that you're doing wrong. I don't care. The hows and the whys don't matter to me. I'm going to address the, the solution. And so what I did, I went to the manager first and I said, why am I getting paid less than everybody else here? And she said, oh, well, you know, I've been trying to sneak it in. Now I've been working there for six months by now. And she said, it took you six months, which I didn't really believe that, but I let her talk. You know, I heard her out, but I found out the real problem was the store manager. Now she and I butt heads from day one. She, uh, well, there was one time she was leading me around the store and she looked at these shelves and said, you know, I can't help, help but notice these shelves are a little dirty. And I'm like, yeah, they are dirty, aren't they? I was playing dumb. <laughs> so I'm not doing that. Once I found out what the issue was, guess what I did? I quit. You know why I quit? Because I had something else going on. I had a choice. If you notice in my previous episode, I spent, when I was talking about toxic work environments, I spent most of that time talking about the solution to the problem rather than the dynamics of a toxic work environment. Cause there's so many different ways to go. I said, look, regardless of the situation, here's the solution. And I believe it, I believe it's a good course of action. Now you have to do this according to your situation. Was I being paid less because of race? I don't care. Was I being paid less because I was a woman? I don't care. Was I being paid less because I'm an American? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It was done. The hows and the whys, let me say it again. The hows and the whys didn't matter to me. Now let's fast forward to a situation that I'm going through right now. I teach at a university, which I've said on countless occasions, but I never said I taught that, that I teach rather at a historically black university. But yet there is racism toward black professors. But you know what I did? I don't like to cry racism, sexism, ism, ism, ism. I don't like to do that. I focus on the solution, regardless of the reason why you're doing this. I don't care. I'm going to address the outcome, which is you look, you can believe whatever you want to about me. You can believe that I, I, I've said this before, I, that I can, I'm the dumbest, fattest, this, that, and the other you've ever seen. You can believe that. It's your right to think that. You have the right to think that. I have the right not to care. But when you act against me, that's when I start caring. If you take whatever qualifier, insert uh, race, gender, and, you know, any other number of qualifiers, you can think that way about me. I don't care. But when you start to 
do that in a way that stops me from doing my job that could put my life in danger. That's different. Okay. So, so that's how I feel about it. That's why I don't dress racism too often. Cause to me, it's just a symptom of a bigger problem. And even then, if I encounter it, I'm more concerned about the outcome where, where is the hows and the whys, as I've said, maybe like three times already. All right. Now let's get to the part about taking back your power. Now that I've set it up. Now that quote that I used about walking up to the bully, let me point you back to the story of Jack Johnson. He was born in 1878 and died in 1946. He was an American boxer and he's the first black heavyweight boxing champion. Now, the thing about Jack Johnson, think about when he lived, he lived during the Jim Crow era, but isn't it interesting? If you look at his lifestyle, you would think he's, he's a guy who lived in modern day times because the stuff he did, this, the stuff he did back then could have gotten him killed. First of all, he had this, I believe he had a diner or something like that, which was integrated. That was a no, no at that time. He married, he had a a white wife. You think about the story of Emmett Till. You know, Emmett Till was a 14-year-old kid who was murdered in 19, uh, it was 1955, I think, he was murdered because he was accused of talking to a white woman or whistling at a white woman. And and that, that murder is kind of, is one of the things that sparked the civil rights movement. But this guy had a white wife and he had uh, many white mistresses. He was pulled over by the cops and the story goes, he had... Uh, the cops said, you owe us $50. How many people could have had $50 on them back then? That was a lot of money, even back then, to just have on you like that. So the story goes, he handed the cop $100. He said, oh, I'm, I'm going to go just as fast on the way back. And the question that, and I was watching the documentary on this guy said, how did he get away with all that? At a time where a, a black man could have been lynched for even looking at a woman. Again, Emmett Till. And yeah, I mean, he had a kind of a dubious character, you know, there are allegations of domestic violence, but what I'm talking about is how he stood up to an institution and how, for the most part, he lived through it. The, what finally did him in, he went to a cafe and, uh, or a diner and they didn't serve him because he's black. And then he, he got in his car and raced away, but he had an accident and he was sent to a black hospital. But in the process of getting there, which was farther than your, you know, quote unquote white hospital, he passed away from his injuries. So how did he get away with that when someone like Emmett Till was killed for just talking to a white woman? He looked the institution dead in the eye. You know, and, and um, when I look at my previous job, could it, was there some racial motivated thing? I'm pretty sure there was, but to me, it was irrelevant. I, again, I didn't care why they were doing it to me. The fact is they were, that's what I dealt with. And in the final year of me being there, all those emails that were sent, I had been compiling them. And so I finally came forward and I had a case. I mean, it was open and shut. They better be glad I didn't sue them because I wanted to. And, and I thought about it and I wish, I, I kind of wish I had, because maybe that would have sent a message. Don't ever do this again to anybody else. But when I showed them those emails and I, sh- and I was able to prove, and I, I made some accusation, and I was able to prove every single one of them. You'd be surprised mysteriously. I'm being sarcastic if you couldn't tell. Mysteriously, all these problems stopped. All of a sudden, all the issues that I had in the previous six or seven or some odd years kind of went away. And I learned an important lesson that year. 
I said, all the years I spent, what was me? How, how come this happened to me because of whatever qualifier, whatever, you know, why are you doing this to me? I could have been fighting back that whole time. I could have stopped at Dennis track. It's like, again, stepping up to the bully and yanking off the beard. That's what it was. It was all smoke and mirrors. So let me get, uh, I'm going to make three points here. My first point, you have to recognize the situation for what it is, whether it's racism or not. It's smoke and mirrors. They're trying to, if, if you're focused on that, if I'm like, oh, woe is me because I'm, I'm this little black woman from the South, then I, then I wouldn't have been able to see all the opportunities that were right in front of me. I was too blinded by all these, uh, by all this other stuff. I know about black wall street. I know about Emmett Till. I know about all these things. These things happen. I'm not diminishing that and I'm not excusing it. All I'm saying is look at what's really going on. Is it really about your skin color? Is there something else going on here? You first take your power back that acknowledging that the things that happen to you might just be smoke and mirrors, whether intentional or unintentional. Like when the guy said that he's going to sue me, I'm like, you're trying to obscure the fact that, look, I have rights. I know my rights here. Don't try to intimidate me. Don't try to, don't think I'm a round pig to be put, to be pounded into a hole. That's not going to work with me. I recognize this for what it is. And I address that. Now, again, it was risky. I didn't have tenure back then. They could have fired me, but I don't like, go ahead, do it. Fire me, do it. I said, go ahead, sue me, go ahead, write me up. I don't care. Let, let's go. And, and I went on record by saying, if this is the end of my academic career, then so be it. I will go down fighting. I'm not taking this from you. And here's an interesting thing. You know, th- this story had kind of an interesting ending. I talked to one of those people who came at me and he said, you know, he, he went through my tenure portfolio and he says, you know what? You know, I'm very impressed by what you did, even if you don't like the follow orders. <laughs> and we both kind of left and that was the end of it. At least I hope that's the end of it. But at the very least, I stood my ground, right? So that's my first point, folks. Look beyond the problems. Don't get caught up in the problems, regardless of what it is. I know it's difficult. Oh, tr- believe me, I know. Like I said, it took me years before I finally figured that out. Years of trial and error. Years of letting my, he- my health go down the tube. I can't blame them. I can only blame myself for that. Which brings me to my second point. You have a choice. Someone made a comment and said that where you are right now is the sum total of all the choices you made in the past five years. Well, okay. I don't, I don't know how you came up with five years, but I can see the wisdom in that. Going back to when I was working at a health food store, I could have stayed. Now, the reason why I left is because I had options. I had somewhere else I could have gone, so I didn't have to stick around. But what if I didn't have those options? I would have had, I mean, can you imagine having, being in that situation? You have a choice. When I, my first year of graduate school, there were 10 of us and this was a brand new program. I don't have a master's. I went straight into a PhD program and they really needed students to finish this program. And so two students got kicked out. One is because she failed her comprehensive exam. The other got the other got kicked out because she made two C's. Now in graduate school, you're only, some programs only allow you one, uh, one C. They'll let you skirt by with that one. But the second one, some programs would just kick you out. So we were down to eight. And as we were talking amongst ourselves, one guy said, failure is not an option. Failure is not an option. And my response was, no, it clearly is. 
because two people have already uh, got kicked out of this program. It's an option, but it's not. Uh, but I understand what you're saying. It's not an option you want is what you're really saying. You say, I don't have a choice. No, you do. You do have a choice. It's just maybe not the one you want to make. If I didn't have anything else going on and I was in a health food store, I could still quit. It's still my choice, but that probably might not have been the smart choice. So now having said that, let me address the second comment about should you stay or should you, you know, should you look for a job or should you talk to your boss? Look, you have kids. You mentioned your email. And you mentioned that it can be challenging trying to work from home or or trying to do remote work when your children are there, as many people are finding out nowadays. And I get that. But here's your choice. I don't, I don't agree with everything that Dave Ramsey says, but there's one thing I do agree with. He'll say, if you want to live like no one else, you have to live like no one else. And all I'm saying is focus on your family. You have kids, you have children you need to take care of. You have your family. You need to do what you can to support them first and foremost. And that might mean putting up with a little, with with a little shenanigans for, for the time being. Just like I put up with some stuff, you know, you say we shouldn't have to work like under those conditions. No, we shouldn't have to, but again, you are free to quit. But is that, is that a good choice? Is that, is that a smart choice is what I'm saying, right? So you have to recognize that you've got, you've have to be honest with yourself. Recognize you have a choice. So I would say, do what you need to do to take care of your family. And in doing so, find something else. You don't, you don't have to tell anybody else what you're doing. Nobody has to know, but make sure whatever you do, it's for the betterment of your family, especially in these times where people are being, people are being laid off. People are being furloughed. People are, if you have a job, you know, can you become an entrepreneur? Can you work for yourself? It may be a little difficult now, but the opportunities are there. Fortunes are made in in situations like this, right? And I'll do a whole podcast about that. But so here's what, here's what I've said so far. Number one, see past the smoke and mirrors. Number two, recognize you have a choice. And here's my third one. (laughs) This is my favorite one. And this is the one I learned the hard way. Don't be responsible for other people's feelings. Okay. Now this goes back to the first comment of talking about the uh, racism. You're not responsible for why they feel the way they feel. I don't take responsibility. If someone hates me because I am black, so, okay, so what? I've said that already. I don't care if you feel that way. What I care about is if you act against me. And if you do, I'm going to f- focus on the situation. I will handle that. Okay. So with this person, and you said you, you dealt with some stuff too. Can you make, can you move laterally? Now, of course, if you're working in academia, you, it's not like, you know, I'm in, I'm in the biology department. I just can't go to the art department. <laughs> I can't do that. I just can't decide to teach English. I'm kind of, you know, pigeonholed into biology, but can you write grants since, since you're in academia? What about grant writing? You know, think about that. Think about ways to get yourself out of the situation. I was in a, I was in a pretty bad, I don't want to talk too much about it, but, um, that there was a situation where I felt that black professors were getting the short end of the stick. And again, I, I was making the move to address the issue, but I needed to gather the evidence first. But in doing so, I learned I had received a grant and that kind of killed that whole thing. It didn't matter at that point. You see what I'm saying? You create options. I can't stress that enough. You have to have options. 
Otherwise, if if you don't see the options, if you don't see the past before you, it's easy to focus on the isms. It's easy to become angry. It's easy to become uh, cynical. It's easy to become disheartened by that. If that, if you don't see a way out of the situation and, and that's pretty much a long form answer, how I deal with that. And again, it's why I don't talk about it because it's, it's as much as it, it can be an issue. I won't let it define me. I, I refuse to be a victim. There's some things you might need to put up with for the time being, but it's temporary. I didn't take that job at the health food store because I was planning to make a career out of that. I wasn't trying to work my way up to manager. Now, what works for the work environment can also work for relationships. Now, it's a bit different. So, I don't want to mix those two things, right? I focus primarily on work. But again, I want when I talk about the relationship aspect, I want an expert to come in. I know I've been talking about it. It's going to happen, folks. <laughs> Just work with me, please. <laughs> it, it's going to happen. I'm going to make it happen unless something happens to me first. To get my experts in and to let them tell you taking back your power in a relationship. But I can say this, though. There is one thing that will take your power away from you quicker than anything else is money. If someone else controls the money, if you're beholden to that other person financially, then yeah, you've given up a good deal of your power just out of the gate. And it becomes a question of, can you make yourself financially viable? Regardless of what choice you make, regardless of what you're dealing with, can you see the options? Can you see the path? Can you recognize that you can make a choice? You might have to make some tough choices and recognize it's not your responsibility to make someone else feel a certain way. Take responsibility for how you feel. Take responsibility for what you're doing. I can't. You know, those people that I dealt with at my previous job for all the things that they did, you know, I I have to acknowledge my part of it. Me playing the victim, playing the victim did not advance my cause. Focusing on racism or sexism didn't help me one bit. What helped me was taking control of the situation. And if you can't control the situation, if you can't take a little, if you can't get agency in your situation, is it? time to move on. Ask yourself that. All right. So until next time, I wish you peace in the midst of toxic people. Take care.